0: Welcome to today's program. I'm so glad to see you. Thank you for letting me be with you today. And not just me, Denise is here with me too. Denise, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you, Rick. And what are we going to study today? Today,
0: we're going to talk about the prophet Samuel. And we're going to find out today that if God can't find a full grown man or woman that he can work through, then he'll use a child. God is looking for anybody to whom he can show himself strong. And when we come to the story of Samuel, we find that God chose a child to become a national prophet. It is amazing. I love this story because I was saved when I was five. And so I've always identified with the story of Samuel. But we're so glad that you're with us today. Thank you for taking the time to be with us, letting us come right into your space. And I want to tell you that we're offering you the brand new series, which is called 10 Powerful Men. It's 10 parts. It covers Noah, Abraham, Samuel, David, Daniel, Joseph, Peter, Paul, Timothy, and John. And it's not just for guys. This series is loaded with teaching for anybody. Yesterday's program was on Abraham. What we taught yesterday is for anybody that's willing to hear from God. And what you're going to hear today is going to help you so much about Samuel. But order the whole series, 10 Powerful Men, and it comes with the study guide so that you can read it while you hear it or while you listen to it. Really get this teaching down deep inside you. And we're offering you right now the book, which is called All the Men of the Bible. You know, Denise, I really love books that are good resources. We already offered all the women of the Bible, and people are so blessed by that book. And now you need the companion book, All the Men of the Bible. It covers every man listed in the Bible, more than 3,000 of them. So if you're ever reading the Bible and you think, I wonder who this is and where he came from and what he did, why is he in here? You can go to this book and find the answer. It will be a blessing to you. And right now we're offering you our brand new autobiography called Unlikely, Denise. There we are on the cover at Red Square. Who would have ever imagined that you and I and our family would have moved to Russia?
1: Not me. I was not imagining that. It was really
0: unlikely, wasn't it? (laughs) Yeah. But you know, God just loves to show up in interesting places and use people that would never imagine what they would be doing. And that's what He did with us. Our story is unlikely, and so is yours. But the full title says, Our Faith-Filled Journey to the Ends of the Earth And right now at our website store, we're offering this at a radical discount because we want you to have it. And it's more than a story. The reason it's this big is because it's also filled with amazing teaching about how you can embrace the call of God and walk it out. The back of the book says, if you're ready to read a true life story that will stir your faith to launch out and experience your own unlikely adventure, This is the book for you to read. Please order yours today. We wrote this for you. It's for your faith. So get yours today. And remember that if you need prayer, we want to hear from you. At Rick Renner Ministries, we are praying people. And when you reach out to us with your prayer need by calling us or sending us an email or a letter, the moment we hear from you, I guarantee you, we really go to work praying for you for God to move and for God to respond to your need. And if you don't have anybody else to reach out to, well, here we are. Reach out to us. Matthew eighteen nineteen says, if two of you will agree is touching anything, I'll do it. We'll get into agreement with you and God will do something tremendous in your life. But we'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. I'm so glad you're with us. And today we're going to be looking at the call of God that came to the prophet Samuel. We're looking at people that God uses mightily. And Samuel was used mighty by God from the time that he was a child. Maybe you're young. Maybe you have a child. Don't discount God using you or using somebody that is young. God will use anyone that is available. And when we look at the story of Samuel, we find that God couldn't find an adult to use. So God turned to a child. Isn't that amazing, Denise?
1: It is amazing. But it just shows the heart of God that He is looking for somebody. It doesn't matter how old they are, how young they are. He's just looking for somebody to show Himself strong
0: through. And that's what we're going to see today in our Bibles. Do you have your Bible? I have it. Okay, I have my Bible. We always use the Bible in this program. And we're believing for a revival of the Bible in the church and in people's lives. Believe with us. But our anchor verse is 2 Chronicles 16, 9. Denise, I love this verse. It says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. I can imagine that. I can see the eyes of God just searching, searching, searching. Why? To show himself strong in the behalf of them whose hearts are perfect toward him. It doesn't say to perfect people. It says to people whose hearts are perfect toward him. I can tell you, Denise and I are far from perfect But we have a heart to obey God. Many years ago, I said to the Lord, why did you choose me? When you could have chosen so many people, why did you choose me? And I'll never forget what the Holy Spirit said, because I knew you had a heart to do what I asked you to do. And you would do it. God's just looking for somebody who's willing to say yes and to follow through. And that's what you see in this verse. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Denise, that means these candidates are not standing on every street corner. God is really earnestly looking for someone to whom He can show Himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward Him. Well, this week and next week, we're looking at men that God used mightily. These were powerful men. We began this week by looking at Noah. I love the story of Noah because he was such a brave soul. We saw yesterday the remarkable story of Abraham, the mistake-making father of faith. And today we're going to see Samuel, a child, called into the ministry. But we have to begin with the story of his mother, and her name was
1: Hannah.
0: Hannah. Hannah was quite a biblical character. Hannah deeply desired to have a child. But she was unable to become pregnant. And year after year, she cried out to the Lord, Please give me a child. And after being barren for year after year after year, one day she cried out in great anguish of spirit and she made in exchange with God. And this is very important because what she did was offer God what's called in the Greek New Testament, a prosyukomai. Now I have a whole series called different kinds of prayer. You ought to order that series. It's a life transforming series. But the word prosyukomai is translated as the word prayer in the New Testament. And Denise, it is the most commonly used word for prayer in the whole New Testament and it's a compound of the word pros and the word uke. The word pros means to draw near. So the first thing it tells us is in prayer, we're pros, we're drawing near. The second part of the word is from the word uke. The word uke describes a vow or a pledge. When you compound the two words together, it pictures a person who wants something so desperately from God that pros They have drawn as nigh as they can draw nigh to God. They don't know how to come any closer. And then when they come to the altar of God UK, they make a vow. They make a pledge. They make a promise. God, I will give you this in exchange for you giving me this thing. I'll give you this if you give me this. I'll give you my life if you give me your blessing. I'll give you my family if you do this. It's an exchange that takes place. And in fact, it's even called a votive offering because the whole thing is involved in a vow. Well, Hannah had finally come to a place where she wanted a child so desperately that she said, Listen, Lord, if you'll give me the child, I'll give him back to you. She came to a place of surrender. And in fact, the assignment that God was going to give to Samuel was so serious that God had to bring Hannah to that place of surrender before he gave the child to her because where she would have to send that child was going to be very, very difficult. But she made a commitment. If you'll give me a child, a razor will never touch him, which means he's going to be in the priesthood. He's going to be a minister. I'm going to give him right back to you. God brought her to a place of surrender and consecration because for her to release that child to do the work God would give him he was really going to take an amazing feat of surrender. So let's look at it. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 2. You ready, Denise? Mm-hmm. And he, that's Elkanah, that was the husband, had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. Verse 3, and this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts, in Shiloh. Well, before Jerusalem, Shiloh was the spiritual capital. That's where the tabernacle was. That is where the high priest was. The judge of Israel was there. The Ark of the Covenant was there. So that's where everyone went before they went to Jerusalem. And in verse four, the Bible says, and when the time was that Elkanah offered, in other words, he came to offer a sacrifice, he gave to Padana, his wife, and to all her sons and her daughters portions, portions to sacrifice. Verse 5, but unto Hannah, he gave a worthy portion, a real substantial gift to sacrifice to the Lord. For he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. He knew she wanted to offer a significant sacrifice, so he gave her something significant to offer to the Lord. Verse 8, then said Elkanah, her husband to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? Why eatest thou not? why is thy heart grieved? Am I not better to thee than 10 sons? What do you think about that, Denise?
1: Well, he obviously didn't understand how much she wanted to be a mother and have a child. And it would be hard for a man to understand a woman's heart wanting to be a mother. And something that aggravated her even more, and Rick, you didn't say this.
0: Was Peninnah.
1: Was Peninnah. And the Bible even says that Peninnah aggravated her. Like she put her down. She made fun of her.
0: What kind of woman are you? You can't even have a baby.
1: Exactly. And it just drove Hannah further to seek God more. And I just want to say, Rick, sometimes when things look really bad and, they, and the pressure's on, we don't like it, but it brings us to a place of surrender. Of surrender, And that's exactly what happened to Hannah.
0: Well, when you come to verse nine, you find out why this was going to be such a difficult assignment to release this child into the will of God. Look at verse 9. So Hannah rose up early after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by post of the temple of the Lord. That already is full of insight because priests were not to sit. They were supposed to stand. But we read in 1 Samuel chapter 4 verse 18 that he was old and not only was Eli old, he was fat. The Bible says he was heavy. He was so heavy, he could not stand to do the ministry that God gave him to do. And he had two sons whose names were Hophni and Phinehas. And we read in 1 Samuel that they were the sons of the devil. These were bad boys. The whole environment in Shiloh was spiritually just messed up. There was Eli, the priest, and the judge of Israel, so fat, he couldn't even stand to do his ministry. His two sons... Who were supposed to be consecrated and doing holy things were sleeping with women at the altar. It was just abominable what was taking place. But that's what was happening in Shiloh. And in verse 10, the Bible says that as Hannah prayed, she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow. There you have it. The Greek word prosyukomai. She she drew near and she said, okay, God, I'm so desperate. I'll, I'll make a vow. I'll give this child to you if you'll just give me a child. And she said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me, and not forget thy handmaid, but will give unto thy handmaid a man child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. Verse 12. And it came to pass, As she continued praying before the Lord that Eli, that's the priest and the judge, marked her mouth. Now, Eli is so out of touch with God, he can't even recognize intercession. We know that because of the next verse. Now, Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she had been drunk. He couldn't even recognize this was a woman in a state of intercession. That is how spiritually out of touch he was. Then in verse 14, Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunk and put away thy wine from thee? Verse 15, But Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have neither drunk wine nor strong drink, but I'm pouring my soul out before the Lord. But Eli was so backslidden, he couldn't even recognize this kind of prayer and intercession. Verse 16, Count not thy handmaid, for a daughter of Belial. That's the equivalent of saying, don't count me to be a daughter of the devil. I'm not a bad woman. For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Verse 17. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him, or your vow. It's a petition and a vow. Verse 18. And she said, Let thy handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. Verse 19. And they rose up early the next morning and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Verse 20. Wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived, that she bare a son. This was an answer to prayer. And called his name Samuel, which means heard of God. This was a response to prayer saying, because I have asked him of the Lord, verse 21. And the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow, verse 22. But Hannah went not up. You know why she didn't go up? Because she made a commitment, the next time you see me, I'm going to give this baby to you. She didn't want to go until she had weaned the child. So Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned, and then I will bring him, that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever. She knew that the next time she went to Shiloh, she was going to leave this baby boy there. So she wanted the privilege of weaning him before she left him at the house of the Lord. Verse 23, and Elkanah, her husband, said unto her, do what seems thee good, tarry until thou have weaned him, only the Lord established his word. So the woman abode and gave her son suck until she weaned him. And back in those days, a child was weaned somewhere between the age of four and six. This is very important because it tells us how old he was when she left him at the house of God in Shiloh. Look at verse 24. And when she had weaned him, so he's somewhere between the age of four and six, she took him up with her and three bullocks. Denise, that's huge. Usually you just offered one bullock. That's one bull. That's an expansive offering. She brought three. She was really making a massive sacrifice as she left her son in Shiloh. Mm. And one ephath of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And notice it says, and the child was young. Think how hard that would be, Denise. A child between four and six. You've made a commitment to God. And you know that the situation in Shiloh is not the best. There's a priest that's so backslidden, he can't even recognize prayer. He's so fat, he can't even stand to minister. He has two sons that are sleeping with women at the altar. This is not a good place to leave a child, but that is the vow she made, and she's going to keep her vow. And the Bible tells us in verse 25, And they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli oh that must have been such a difficult thing to do verse 20 say something sure out,
1: Rick? she wasn't looking to Eli and his how well he had done or his sons she was looking to God and looking to God was going to enable her to do this most difficult thing because I can't imagine doing that Rick that would be very very difficult
0: well look at what she said in verse 26. And she said, O my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord. I am the woman that stood here praying unto the Lord, verse 27. For this child, this child right here I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition which I asked of him, verse 28. Therefore also have I lent him to the Lord. This was a woman of commitment. She's going to do what she pledged. For as long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. That's speaking of Samuel. A child four to six begins a life of worship there in Shiloh before Eli. Look at verse chapter 2, verse 11. And Elkanah went to Ramah to his house, and the child stayed in, stayed in Shiloh and did minister unto the Lord before Eli the priest. Now look at verse 12, 1 Samuel two twelve. 12. Now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial, that means sons of the devil. They knew not the Lord. And look what they were doing. Chapter 2, verse 13. And as the priest's custom was, that when any man offered sacrifice, the priest's servant came while the flesh was in seething with a flesh hook of three teeth in his hand. Verse 14, And he struck it into the pan or a kettle or a cauldron or a pot, and all that the flesh hook brought up the priest took for himself. So did they in Shiloh unto all the Israelites that came hither, or this was the salary of the priest. But not with Eli's sons. They weren't happy with this. Verse 15, also before they burnt the fat, the priest servant came and said to the man that sacrificed, Give flesh to roast for the priest, for he will not have sodden flesh of thee, but raw. Verse 16, And if any man said unto him, Let them not fail to burn the fat presently, and then take as much as thy soul desireth, then he would answer him, Nay, but thou shalt give it to me now. If not, I will take it by force. For these boys were not pleased with their salaries, So they forcibly were taking more than was allotted for them. They were abusing the people of God. And that is why verse 17 says, Wherefore the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. And what is amazing to me is God will tolerate a lot. But when a man of God becomes so offensive that he stops people from coming to church, that's the line that he should have never crossed. God tolerated a lot that was going on in Shiloh. And when people said, hey, we're not going to church anymore because every time we go there, we are abused. That's when God's patience ended. But look at verse 28. But Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child girded with a linen ephod. There he was, a child, ministering before the Lord, entrusted into this very difficult place by his mother and into the care of God. Wow. Verse 22. Now, Eli was very old and heard all that his sons did unto Israel, how they laid with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he said unto them, Why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings by all this people. Nay, my sons, for it's no good report that I hear of you, that you make the Lord's people to transgress because they quit coming to church. Verse 25, If one man sin against another man, the judge, the judge will judge him. But if a man sin against the Lord, who shall entreat for him? Notwithstanding, these boys, Hophni and Phinehas, hearkened not unto the voice of their father, because the Lord would slay them. Chapter three, verse one. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days; there was no open vision. That's amazing. So here was Eli, the priest, the judge. And yet the word of the Lord was so rare in those days, people couldn't even remember when they had heard from God. Look at chapter 3, verse 2. And it came to pass, at that time when Eli was laid down in his place, his eyes began to wax dim, and he could not see. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark was, Samuel was laid down to sleep. So Samuel was attending to the fire there in the temple in Shiloh. And the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here I am. Verse 5, And he ran unto Eli and said, Here I am, for thou callest me. And he said, I called not, lie down again. And he went and laid down. Verse 6, And the Lord called yet again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not, my son, lie down again. Verse 7, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. Verse 8, And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that it was the Lord calling the child. Eli was so backslidden and spiritually insensitive, he couldn't even recognize that God was speaking to this child. It took time and time again for Eli to realize God was trying to say something verse 10 And the Lord came and stood and called as at other times Samuel Samuel and Samuel answered speak for thy servant heareth verse 11 And the Lord said to Samuel behold I will do a thing in Israel at which both the ears of every one that heareth shall tingle in that day I will perform against Eli all the things which I have spoken concerning his house when I began I will also make an end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows because his sons made themselves vile and he restrained them not. And therefore I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. Verse 15 And Samuel lay down until the morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord and feared to show Eli the vision. Even though Samuel was just a child between four and six years old, he had so much spiritual respect for Eli, regardless of how Eli was living, that he didn't want to be disrespectful. Verse 16, and Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he answered, here I am. Verse 17, and he said, what is the thing that the Lord hath said unto thee? I pray thee, hide it not from me, God do so unto thee. And even more so also, if thou hide anything from me of all the things that he said unto thee, which really is a form of spiritual manipulation and spiritual abuse. And Samuel told him every wit hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth good to him. Now look at verses 19 through 21. And Samuel grew. And the Lord was with him and did let none of his words fall to the ground. Now that's real prophetic accuracy. Verse 20, And all Israel from Dan even to Beersheba knew that Samuel was attested to be a prophet of the Lord, Denise, between four and six years old. Verse 21, And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And we know the story that Eli and his sons died in a single day. His sons were killed in battle. Eli fell off of a chair. He was so heavy. He was so overweight that when he fell off of his chair, the weight fell on his neck. It broke his neck. It killed him. The whole family was killed in one day. And from that moment forward, Samuel began to speak as God's prophet to Israel. It could have been Eli. It could have been but his heart wasn't right. He had a position, but he didn't have a heart right. And God is looking for somebody whose heart is perfect toward him. And in this case, God could only find a child. God will use anybody whose heart is perfect toward him. And that can be you. Just say, hey, Lord, speak. Your servant is listening. And he'll reveal himself to you. We'll be back in just a moment. While we have just flown through our program today, there's been so much information. It's really revelation, Denise, that God will use anybody who says, Lord, I'm listening, use me. But we want you to get the whole series, which is called 10 Powerful Men. It comes with a study guide. And we're also offering you the book, which is called All the Men of the Bible. Wow! Be sure to order these today and let us know how to pray for you. Just give us a call Or send us your email. The moment we hear from you, we're going to begin to pray. And when we come back tomorrow, we're going to be looking at King David. David was a man that God showed himself strong to. And there's so much to learn from the life of David. But, Denise, let's pray for our friends. Father, we thank you that you're looking for anybody who will say, Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. We say that. And, Lord, we ask you to show yourself strong to us. And work through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember Ecclesiastes 8:4? Where the word of a king is, there's power. Thank you for watching this broadcast. For more information on product resources or to learn how you can partner with this ministry, please connect with us at Renner.org. Also, please be sure to visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.